Jesus' name. Amen. All right, amen. Well, for those of you that are wondering, why is it that last week I said Christian would be speaking and I'm here? Let me, let me just tell you what happened. Let me start off by saying this, though. Everything turned out fine and things are well with, with Christian's family. But yesterday I got a phone call around 7 o'clock at night from Greg Burkhart, uh, Christian's dad, letting me know that uh, there'd been an accident. Uh, Josie, his, his third kid, the, the oldest daughter, had uh, been in the pool and all of a sudden they looked around and they found her at the bottom of the pool, which you know as a parent, that's like, oh, it's one of the worst things you can imagine happening. Uh, one of the other kids there uh, pulled her up. Uh, Christian did CPR on her for, for a couple minutes. And by the grace of God, she is home and she is doing well. And so we're thankful for that. So thankful. Thank you, Father. Um, but at the second, second part of it, I just told him, you be, you be home with your family. We'll, we'll as a church, we'll open God's word. And, and so uh, anyways, he won't be here this morning. But just be praying for them as a family. And, and please, thank God. Like, tell God thank you so much uh, just for his, his power in, in rescuing this little girl. And so anyways... We'll be in the, in the text of scripture today in Philippians 4. You can go and open up your Bibles there. But as you open up to Philippians 4, we'll, we'll be around verse 10 or so. Let me, let me use this as a, just a, a little bit of an illustration to help us understand where we're going today. A few years ago, I went to what was called an arboretum. I didn't even know what an arboretum was. It's a place where there's all kinds of plants. And for someone like me, I should have known what it was, but I didn't. But I was somewhat fascinated. And I'm always the guy that likes to read every sign. And so nobody ever likes to go with me to museums or anything. So I came across one, and I'm sure there's plant people out there going to tell me I've got the wrong plant. But all I remember from that is I remember something like the, the, the African violet or something like that. I remember looking down and reading about this flower and how fragile it is and how it only kind of can operate when it's got sunlight in the morning and it's got to be shaded the rest of the day. It's got to be in the exact right environment or the flower can't make it. Now, I bring up that flower because in many ways, as I've just kind of been watching the church kind of through this time of COVID, that's kind of what I felt like looking at the church as a whole. Now, and I say this as a remark on, on Cornerstone as well, we all have to grow. But in the back of so many Christians' minds is, is that in order for us to survive, we need just the right situations. We need just the right environment. We need to be in the right building, at the right place, at the right time, with certain things around us happening just like we're supposed to. We need to have the right political environment that we can be involved in. We need to have just the right scenario for all these things to take place or we can't be the church. In fact, one of my statements or one of the statements that keeps getting made by pastors and I just want to grab them and say no is this idea that the church was closed let me just say this Matthew 16 hell and Hades can't even close the church so to somehow think it was closed isn't the problem with how maybe others have done to us but instead we have a wrong understanding of the church so in some ways I would just say that's that's what I'm talking about we've become this dainty African violet. But yet when I read scripture, that's not who we are. In fact, let me use a different weed slash flower to describe what I think the church is. The church is way more of a dandelion. One time I was running, I, I used to run a lot, and I was running between this town called Laramie and another town called Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I was out on a super long run, and I look in the middle of the highway, and there is a dandelion springing up in the middle of a highway, cars flying by it. 
See, the dandelion as opposed to the violet, it could grow anywhere. You know this. Anybody that's ever had a yard before knows you can try to kill a dandelion, but you have to pull it and pull it and pull it. You have to pull it by the roots, but even then sometimes you pull it and all the fuzzy things eventually, they spread all over. In fact, I read something where there are millions and millions of dandelion seeds in every single yard. Why? Because you can't stop dandelions. It doesn't matter their environment. It doesn't matter all kinds of different scenarios. They just kind of grow anywhere. Those are the Christians I see in the Bible. What that means is, is that those Christians throughout time, we've never needed the circumstances just right. In fact, every time the church tends to get circumstances just the way they want it, they get just the right environment and building to meet in. They get just the right political structure that they need to be in. They get all these different things together. Actually, what it ends up doing is causing the church to be flabby and out of shape. And in, the other scenario is, was the church suddenly doesn't have the right scenario, doesn't have the political climate at once, it tends to flourish. In other words, the time that we live in right now, we shouldn't be now looking at it being all sad and disappointed and depressed because what God is doing, I think, is shaking all the little idols that we have in our lives, all the things that we think we need to be able to be followers of Jesus Christ. But instead, what Paul's been doing all throughout Philippians is trying to change our mind. In fact, the word that we're gonna look at today, this idea of content becomes so crucial. We're content. In fact, the way that I would put a definition of content, not the way some people think of it as having this peace of mind, but instead it is wholeheartedly being satisfied wherever in whatever circumstances God places us in and then being faithful to who God is and what he's called us to do. That's contentment. Paul knew you put him in jail, fine. I will now, in this particular scenario where he's placed me, be satisfied where he's planted me, and I will now join God in what he's doing, and I will engage in the mission, and so that people now, even he says, in Caesar's household are coming to know Jesus. He says, you give me plenty or want, it doesn't matter. We are dandelions. Now, I say all that because I think this is what the text is talking about. In fact, if you've got your text, we're going we're to be looking at one verse, the one that everybody knows. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we've used that for so long on making free throws or kicking field goals. But it is so much more than that. That verse is speaking to us as followers right now. This is a verse speaking into these times when we're crying, complaining, or even, I'll be honest with you, sad and despondent and trying to figure out what to do. Paul is speaking into this time saying, we can do this. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now watch this passage and you see the flow. He's, he's written to him about giving that we'll kind of have to go through it. Or he's gonna write to him about giving that we'll talk about it another time maybe. But he just says, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly and now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, I'm so thankful you gave to me. But watch verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. In other words, whether you give me the money or you don't give me the money, I've learned something. Watch this. I've learned in whatever situation to be content. I've learned to be satisfied wherever and whatever my circumstances are, wherever he plants me. And no matter what, I'm gonna be faithful to Jesus Christ and his mission there. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to be planted there. I know how to abound. I know how to be planted there. 
in any and every circumstance, I love this, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Paul, what's the secret? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Remember, I've kept saying this is our time. We don't need to complain. We don't need to scream. We don't need to yell. In fact, what Paul is actually calling us to here is to be content, to be satisfied where God has planted us, whatever our circumstances are. And now he's just looking at us and saying, be faithful. Are you in prison? Be faithful. Do you feel like your rights are being taken away? Just be faithful. Do you feel like everything around you seems to be falling apart? Just be faithful. Do you feel like right now things are going great? Be faithful. Do you feel like right now you're despondent, even on the edge of maybe depression? Paul just says, be faithful. Be content. So the question is now, then how do we be these dandelions that can flourish no, no matter where it is? And he's going to give us, I think, just four pretty important principles that we've, we need to look at here. And, and in some ways, I'm using Christian's notes, so I'm hoping this Sunday it's okay if I plagiarize just a, a little bit, but I'm going to plagiarize on with, with, with what he's got going on here. But I think he nailed these four things, just drew them from the text that are so important in our time. Now, if we're going to be these dandelions, here's the first thing we need to know. Contentment is not based on our circumstances, but about what we now take with us into these circumstances and what we gain from them. I mean, let me just say this again so you can get this in our minds. Contentment is not based upon our circumstances. We can be planted wherever. We're satisfied with wherever, but it's something that we gain in and take with us into those circumstances that becomes important. Look at verse 11, what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. He says in verse 11, I've learned in whatever situation I am, what? To be content. Verse 12, in every and every circumstance. Like no doubt when, when Paul was free to move around and share the gospel, he was content. But what is so nutty is when he says this now, writing this book, he wasn't walking around free. He was under house arrest in Rome and yet he was still content. How? Because what he's talking about here now in being faithful to Jesus Christ and faithful to his mission, he says, you put me anywhere and if you just put me there, I'm faithful if that's what I'm doing. If I'm proclaiming the gospel, if I'm discipling those who believe, that's the goal of my life and I can do that anywhere. In fact, he even says, I started to lead Caesar's household to Jesus. They put me in there and he's like, fine, I'll just lead those people that are guarding me to Jesus. But he learned that we can do this no matter how hard it is or, or how easy it is. The gospel, the good news of King Jesus can move forward in any environment. It doesn't matter. We don't need to fight for all those things that the world thinks. We have to get to the levers of power to be able to promote our message. No, the church has never needed levers of power. In fact, every time we try to pull on levers of power and we begin to wed ourselves with power, the church then goes wrong because then we forget that our power is not in politics. Our power is not in circumstances. Our power is only in Jesus Christ. And he knew these various environments he knew that eventually as he engaged in them, as Jesus Christ has called him to, he would be made now able to be who he was called to be. Put him wherever, the mission can still go forward. That's what he's saying here is, is that this is what I've learned about contentment. Put me there. The gospel is robust. It is able. The mission will move forward. Now, now no doubt, I, I, I'm the type of person that I think the gospel moves forward best in the mountains. Some people think it moves forward best on the beach. 
But Paul said this, no way, it can move forward anywhere. If it can move forward in the prisons, if it can move forward when I've lost freedom, he says in there, that's what we're content with. We're moving forward, the gospel. And I think this is crucial to what we're talking about. Because Paul's goal was not to get all these things in order. He understood we are not African violets. He was writing to people in Philippi, and he's even writing us today, no matter what our circumstances, we are, and this is what he's getting after, we are dandelions. You and I will never be content if our main desire is anything other than advancing the gospel and joining Jesus in what he's doing. You will never be satisfied in your life. You will never be satisfied in your relationships. You will never be satisfied in your marriage. You'll never be satisfied with your kids. You'll never be satisfied with your job. You will never be satisfied with where you live until you embrace this secret that he talked about, that now this, this, this satisfaction that I can have wherever God has planted me and join Jesus in what he's doing until you learn contentment, you will never be satisfied. So that's the first thing, the first principle. Contentment is not based upon our circumstances, but something that we now take in with us into these circumstances, the greatest message ever, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the transforming of lives. Now here's the second thing. Contentment now, if we're gonna be these dandelions, is not having enough it's about serving Christ with whatever we now have and trusting him once we get in there that he will give us what we need in that circumstance. So often we're afraid to go into circumstances because we don't believe that once I get into them, God will be there ready to meet me. Now watch what he says in verse 12. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of, placing, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul had the same contentment. It didn't matter. If I have enough, if I have more than enough, if I don't have enough, he says in there, I'm content. Now what this shows us is, is that our gospel isn't a poverty gospel. In other words, it's not a gospel that somehow thinks that, oh, the poorer that I am, that somehow now I'm a, a more robust or holier Christian. He's like, no, it's not that at all. But on the other side of it, it's not a prosperity gospel thinking somehow if we have everything that somehow now I am truly blessed. Our gospel is not about poverty and it's not about prosperity. Instead, it's about being transformed in the midst of these circumstances as we join God and are faithful to what he's called us to do. It doesn't matter our circumstances. Man, if we're gonna be the people God wants us to be in this hundred days, I think this is something we have got to embrace with everything that we are. Our circumstances are merely tertiary to the centrality now of who we are in Christ. His circumstances did not change his mission. I truly believe if God came back right now, he would not want to know about our circumstances and how we're so having it so tough and so hard because we don't have the right environment and the right difficulties or the right places to advance the gospel. He would say, I don't care. Just be faithful to the mission. Paul was looking down at this particular group of people and saying, look, just be content. Just be the people God's called you to be. Every single circumstance had gospel opportunity in it and the ability to be made and to carry out Jesus' mission. And that's why Paul's content. It doesn't matter. But how? How did he do this? Well, here's our big verse. Our big verse that everyone quotes before they shoot a free throw or, or kick a field goal. 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Oh, wow, how this text has been abused and misused because it's not a blank check to just kind of satiate all of our desires if at the end of the day that God is, is Walt Disney at Disneyland making all of our dreams come true. In fact, and I love how Christian did this, so I'm just gonna work you through his work so you can see this because I appreciated it so much. He said in there that there's, when he was walking through this, there's basically three corrections we need to understand. The first correction is, is, and look down in there, he says all things. Now it's probably best understood as all of these things, all the things that he's been talking about, all the things that we tend to now kind of say, oh, how are we gonna ever do this? Paul says all these things. I don't care if you're in the middle of COVID and social unrest, whatever it is, all these things. Not, not that somehow God will somehow just kind of come alongside of you as the genie granting every wish that you want, but instead now in the midst of, of plenty and want and hunger and thirst, all these other things, he says, all these things, I will be with, there, be with you in there. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me, which now when you come down to it, the emphasis is not so much on doing. In fact, when you look at how this text is put together, the verb that's used there is not about do, but it's about endure. In fact, one of the, one of the commentators that Christian pulled out on there, he, this is the way he put it is, is that in this plenty, hunger, abundance, need, I'm able to endure all these things. I'm able to stand up underneath them. It's a, it's a 1 Corinthians 10, 13 reality that no matter what comes at me, Christ can stand me up underneath it. And it's not just through Christ. I love this. It is in Christ. How can we do this? Because we are in Christ. We are in the one to whom the Holy Spirit raised from the dead. We are the people of God. We are the ones now that he has given his Holy Spirit to. We are those ones now that now being in abundance or in need, those are things that are extraneous. Those are circumstances. The real reality of who we are, the primary thing that Paul wanted to know and experience about Jesus Christ is that we are in him. Of anybody on this planet, we as Christians should be the ones that are looking at all these circumstances and going, all these circumstances are there, but we are in Christ. We are in the very one to whom we've been called. We're like Noah in the ark. We're, we're safe as we walk through this. But this is what Paul wanted them to get. Do you understand, like we've been saying over and over again, who you are? Are you those ones that Jesus talked about who built your house on the sand? Are you these ones that built your house on the rock? Because both of them have the same circumstances, but only one stands. And if you today are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have built your life on the rock, it is gonna get bumpy and hard and difficult, but we are in Christ. So I love the way that Christian put this. He reframes 4.13. I want you to get this. I can endure all these things in Christ who strengthens me. I can endure all these things, not just past, but now. We can walk through this. 
And we don't have to become these people that scream and yell and get angry and vitriolic and mock our political leaders and go down all these other paths or somehow think that we can't do it without a building or can't do it without the right environment. No, 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 no. Paul says, no, that doesn't matter at all. You aren't just anybody. In the midst of the storms, you are ones who are in Christ. And it's not just that you make it through. Are you kidding me? We come through it, and Paul knew that every single circumstance that bombarded him, everything that came at him, didn't just now wear him down, but instead it made him stronger. You pick a dandelion, and what happens? It just grows back. And in fact, it then begins to grow seeds, and it goes everywhere. That's who we are. Now look down in verses 11 and 12. He says, this is my secret. This is it. This is the secret through walking through no matter what you've gone through. Paul, just in a very cool way today, told us the secret. He's told us who we are. He understands that that this contentment, this now being satisfied in whatever circumstances God places us in or wherever he places us in, he says we can still do this. We can join Jesus in his mission. We can be with him. It's something that Paul learned through, over time. It's something that he walked through the difficulties of. He didn't learn this overnight. Instead, he learned this through all the different bombarding. You read about that in the book of Acts as he was tossed back and forth through governments and people, religions and everything coming down upon him. This is what he learned in everything, no matter what it was, without the government, without the right circumstances, without everything he needed. He learned that he was a dandelion that can do all things through Christ. Christ who strengthens him. It's what we've been saying in Romans 8. We can't be stopped. Sure, we might go die, but then Paul says, well, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. We, we can't be stopped. We need to learn that contentment is not just done in a bubble. Contentment is something learned in the reality of life. You don't have to move to a different state to find more conducive environment to do this. In fact, I would say this, the more we stay engaged to where God has us, in whatever God has us, we can become the people now that are made able to the time in which we stand. I understand living in Southern California is not the most conducive place to raise your children. I've got my own kiddos and sometimes I'm scared to death. But I believe we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us here. They can grow up in this environment. They won't grow up to be African violets, I'll promise you. But we're not raising African violets anyways. I don't want to raise African violets. I want to raise dandelions. I never thought I would use so many flower metaphors. I don't want to raise, I want to raise Dandelions, wherever you plant them. So if my kids are taken to any part of the United States or around the world, they have learned here in Southern California how to be satisfied with wherever and whatever circumstance God has placed them in. And they went want to join Jesus and they want to join him in his mission. And Paul says, that's the secret. That's it right there. Now, I don't know where you are right now. I don't. Some of you might be kind of upset with me because I dared to question the idea of politics. But please, don't think politics will save us. I know we all have our political preferences on who we want to be in power. 
but none of them are going to save us. In fact, Christians over the centuries have learned the more that we begin to get into cahoots with government, it drains us of who we are. We are meant to be a part of one kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom that is advancing, the kingdom that cannot be stopped. We're a part of a kingdom that Jesus Christ oversees, and that's the kingdom. This is what I mean. Satan may have been able to close what we call the church, which is a building, but you cannot close the kingdom that is overseen by Jesus of who we're a part because the kingdom is about a people and a place that's to come. Oh, don't buy into those lies of pastors out there telling you that some of the church is closed. You can't close the church. You can close buildings we call the church, but you can't close the church. Quit believing the lies that we need to be these African violets and somehow just have the right environment. Embrace the reality that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are dandelions that can grow anywhere. We are the church. That's why I want to do this 100 days. Oh, I so badly want to do it. I so believe this 100 days, we're going to walk through it. And if you take it seriously, that's why I've been keeping asking you, do you want to come with us? If we walk through it and we make the word of God the centerpiece, we absorb it as our nourishment, not all the other things that are flooding into our minds. We, we begin to absorb the word of God on a more regular basis into our lives, not only alone, but with others. As we begin to pray, instead of worrying about all kinds of things, not only alone, but, but we begin to pray with others. As we begin to fellowship as God has called us to do. As we begin to get our eyes off of this world and begin to place them where the kingdom is on heaven oh my gosh, I truly believe we will get to the end of this. And by December, there will be no African violets standing anywhere. We will be the robust dandelions that God has called us to be. He has planted us in Southern California as much as many people want to leave. But I don't want to leave to go be an African violet when right here we can be the people God has called us to be. Don't buy the lies. Believe the truth of scripture. Embrace your identity in Jesus. Forgo the lies that tell you somehow that we are dainty. Forgo the lies that tell us that we need just the right circumstances. Forgo the lies that say we can't raise children here. Forgo the lies that tell us all those things that we can't do and begin to embrace who you are. You are children of the God Most High. You are sons and daughters. You are, in some unique, powerful way, brethren with Jesus Christ, the very one ripped from the grave. You are containers of the Holy Spirit. Don't believe the lies that are out there from everyone everybody that's telling you that we can't unless we have just the right environment. We are the church. Don't buy the lies. Instead, over this next hundred days, let's embrace who we are. Let's go for it. And let's arrive in December as the men and the women and the children that God has called us to be. Let's go for it. And so in the name of the Father, who adores you. But he doesn't just adore you. He is a father that is in control of everything that's going on. 
And when he made you his very own, he didn't make you a dainty violet. He made you robust. He made you with the capacity in which you have everything that you need pertaining to God and to life and godliness. Don't buy the lie that somehow we are weak. We have our Father who is strong. In the name of the Son who died, who gave us now this capacity to have these new characteristics, to be the people that God has called us to be. And the Holy Spirit then that stirs them into action that you read about in the book of Acts, that the church went boldly out. Sure, they had to disobey every once in a while when they said, don't preach Jesus, but they maneuvered and worked through all kinds of persecution and difficulty. Why? Because the church got closed? (sighs) No, no. Because the church is wide open, because as long as the Holy Spirit is still saving people, energizing people, and equipping people to be his, the church is alive and well. And so in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as dandelions, go live in the world that God has called us to be. Quit buying the lies out there that says that we can't. Embrace who you are in Jesus Christ.